your Bibles and stand with me and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. When just in a short hiatus from Mark, um, we are uh, about ready to um, affirm a new set of bylaws for our church that really, um, we believe, aligns us real clearly with the Scriptures on an elder-led church. And so we've taken a few weeks here just to talk about the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep and the great chief shepherd. And so last week we uh, got through verse 12 um, and a little bit of 13, and we'll focus on that this morning. But we will return to our, our series on Mark shortly. And, uh, but these are important things so we know how to uh, conduct ourselves as Christ's blood-bought church. Read with me along. We are in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and 13. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then this final thought here. Live in peace with one another. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Father, what a wonderful morning it has been so far. You gave us cool air uh, to wake up to, uh, and then you brought us to our Bible fellowship groups this morning, and we were able to be encouraged by what you're doing here at River Bend as we announce things to the body of Christ and look forward to the things that are coming, Lord. We thank you for the encouragement we've received. Thank you for the worship that we've participated in already, the proclamation of truth through song, men and women who you have given talent to, to lead us uh, to truth, so we can sing those things back to you, Lord. And now, Lord, we come to your word, and we continue in worship as we look at your truths, Lord, that will guide our lives and guide our church, Lord. Father, you know the hearts of Riverman. We want to be in line with you. We want to do things your way, Lord. And yet, Lord, we openly confess we are human and sinful at times, and and even man-centered versus Christ-centered, Lord. And so we wrestle with these things, Lord. So we come to your word to teach us. We come to your word to show us how you would have us live as a family here. As a group of people dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ at Riverbend Church. So Lord, we ask that you would instruct us, Lord. Father, we know this is true of, of many churches, Lord, that are desiring these things. And we pray that your church around the globe, your universal church, would cling to the word of God. Fight man-centeredness. Fight what the world thinks about us and turn to your word, Lord. And be a church that claims the sufficiency of the scriptures, Lord. Father, thank you for those who are here today. We're we are so excited to have a house full of believers, those who claim to follow Christ, Lord. We, we, we thank you for each and every one of them. And we thank you for those who could not be here, Lord. And Father, my heart goes out to some who are going through procedures, who have gone through procedures, who are struggling in hospitals, and, and their health is not what they would like it to be, Lord. But we pray that you would strengthen them. And pray many are even watching now, Lord. Thank you for our missionaries, Lord. We're excited about Missions Month coming after the turn of the year. But we do remember them, Lord. We thank you for them, Lord. We give for them so that they can do what we cannot at this time, Lord. So please give them strength and mercy and grace in their place of ministries, Lord. And Father, now as we turn to your word, give us hearts that are soft to hear the word, to receive it. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we started on this sermon I've entitled, God's Shepherds and God's Sheep. He has a role for the church, and we, we started out by reminding ourselves that the church is the greatest institution in the world. All other institutions, all other, all other uh, works of man will fail, but the church will continue for eternity. And that's because it was blood-bought by God himself through Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean the church doesn't have its problems, right? <laughs> uh, you know, don't look too far to your left or right, but we are a bunch of sinners here. So we're going to have our struggles at times. God has redeemed sinners and has cleansed us from our sins, and he's put us together in a place called the bride, the church, the building of God. We are it, not the brick and mortar that is here. It is the people that is God's church. And as long as the true church will wrestle and repent from sin, and we need to do that, when we've we've individually and corporately not followed God, and we consistently battle those things and make course corrections in our life as individuals in a church to walk within God's Word, He will continue to grow us. He'll grow us spiritually. We'll be a blessing to Him and we'll be a light in this dark world. He's certainly given us the means to be able to do that. He's given us the Word of God. We hold it in our hands. Even this morning, we turn to it for its truth. He's given us the Spirit of God to help us apply the Word of God to our life. Pneuma, for the word spirit, and we get the word light to illumine. He illuminates the truth to us. So he's given us his word. He's given us the spirit. He's also given us each other. We are to edify one another. The Bible is clear on that. The Bible teaches us that we are to edify one another, build each other up in the faith. This also gives us a burden for the lost. We know Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you have been cleansed of your sins and, and you know by the grace of God that you have an eternal life awaiting you, why would we not share that with someone? Why would we not pass that hope onto others? We know it is a sovereign work of God to open the hearts of, of the lost, but he uses us to do that. As we looked at this text last week, we realized there was a beautiful relationship between the leadership of the church, particularly Apostle Paul and this church. And they enjoyed one another. They, they had a reverence for each other and they worked well together. But you remember we read chapter 4 and it said, with all those things that Thessalonica was doing, they were searchers of the scriptures, right? They would search the scriptures. They would, they would obey their leaders. They loved God. They loved Christ. But Paul said to do what? Excel Come on, were you here last week? Still more, right? Excel still more. And, and, and churches get in trouble when they rest on their laurels, when they rest on their successes. And we don't excel still more. And that's what this lesson is about, for us as a church to continue to strive for the truth of God's Word. We are particularly here in this, this short series looking at Riverbend being a church that continues to excel, especially in the role of church government. Now, I used that word last week, and someone asked me, well, we didn't understand what government means. And um, So when we talk about church government, we talk about the way the church is governed, the way, the way it's led, and, and the design that God's Word has for it. Who leads? Who, who shepherds? Who are the sheep? Who are those people? And so that's our goal, to help learn our roles in this lesson and also follow God in all those ways. And then even in these things, we want to still strive more. 
And churches are continuing to learn. I, I think most churches, if they're honest, will say, look, we, we still have more work to do. As shepherds and pastors of the church, we can be better pastors and shepherds. We can uh, be more men who, who pour more effort into the Word of God to rightly handle it, to counsel with it, to deal with it. As sheep, we can be uh, more of a flock that, that works together, that stays together, that follows its shepherds as they lead us to Christ. And so there is always more striving to be done. Last week, we focused on, on the shepherd's role. You remember we said this, that the shepherd and, and his service to Christ is, is really labeled by four, four terms that speak of this one shepherd. One, he's an elder, and so he has spiritual wisdom and maturity. He's also an overseer, the Bible calls. All these terms speaking of the same guy. So he has a spiritual authority and oversight of the church. He's a pastored shepherd, meaning he provides spiritual protection and nourishment. And so he should be protecting the flock and feeding the flock. And then he's also called a leader, It means he has spiritual guidance and discernment for the flock. And so God has raised these men up in order to serve the church. And he continues to do that. He calls, and he has done this since he put man on the earth and he established a people to follow him. He has always called qualified, faithful men to lead his people. And he's doing that today. Thousands of years later, he's still raising up leadership to take care of his church. Well, we identified several of those uh, attributes of those shepherds last week. Number one, we saw in verse 12 that he is to be a diligent laborer, right? He says to appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you. And so we, re- we reminded ourselves that Pastor Shepherd is one who works hard. In fact, the word itself meant to give great effort even to the point of exhaustion. This is what... Paul did. He says over and over and here in this book in Acts, day and night I labored among you. That's, that's what shepherds do. Shepherds move out from under the flock, the wolves come in. They need to be a part of it. and They need to be diligently there. Paul said, from the first day till I set foot in Asia in Acts chapter 12, I've been with you. Reminding that he did not shrink back from declaring everything that was profitable. And then it says among you in that text. And so 1 Peter, the uh, Apostle Peter, who is an elder, he says a fellow elder. He wasn't the first pope of Rome. He wasn't any of those things. He says, I'm an elder, an elder among you. He, he challenges the elders to be among the flock, working diligently. Second, we saw that the shepherd is given charge over the flock. God gave him charge over the flock. This is an interesting term. It means to stand before the flock. It means to stand before the flock. Notice in verse 12, and have charge over you in the Lord. Now, that's a, a powerful assessment, isn't it? One, we stand before the Lord first. Those who receive the call to shepherd and care for the church, we give direct accountability to the Lord. It is Him who we will say, here's what we did with your bride. You imagine caring for somebody else's bride caring for somebody else's lambs. We will give an account for that. But we're also there before the flock for protection. Shepherd should be the first one that runs into the fray, that heads off false teachers, those who are trying to devour the flock. And they're also there for leadership. The shepherd should always be out in front, learning, growing, handling the word of God, directing and, and, and asking and leading in a way that the sheep follow 
them to the shepherd. Notice it says, in the Lord. Well, this is because true shepherds are not self-appointed. They don't self-appoint themselves. God does that. He appoints them. Acts chapter 20 says, whom the Holy Spirit has appointed. That's what he's talking about. The Lord calls men. He puts a, uh, a, a, almost an irresistible desire to shepherd and care for people. And then he gives us qualifications, right? You can, well, I want a shepherd, but I'm not qualified. No, he didn't call you. And so those things are in our lives that we deal with on a daily basis. The true shepherd wants to submit to the chief shepherd. See, we know who you belong to. See, we're just under shepherds. We're galley rowers. We have the chief shepherd calling out the strokes, telling us what to do. It is him we adhere to. And so our goal is to submit to him. And he calls, he calls the sheep to himself and he lets us care for them for a shorter time. We've talked about the stricter judgment that it is for leadership and why elder-led churches work is because if you handle the scriptures correctly, you find the right men. God raises them up. And he is doing that even as we speak. We were working and praying through the men. There's a good half a dozen men right now in the process of biblical eldership, laymen in this church that are wrestling through things as God is calling them towards that. Finally, last week, we looked at the shepherd is to feed the flock. Nice to have a nice flock of, of sheep or cows, but if you don't feed them, what's going to happen? You're going to die. Or they're going to wander away somewhere where they do get fed, right? And that could be in a dangerous spot. And so we're called to instruct, to teach the church, shepherd it. And you have to do that with the Word of God. The Bible is very clear God is not happy with false shepherds, shepherds who don't care for his flock. And we, we talked about both the passages in Ezekiel and Hosea where God rebukes them for not feeding the flock. In fact, he says, you fed on my flock and I will feed on you. There's a stark warning there. And then we finished last week with turning to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We realized the great charge Paul gave to Timothy. God's word says before before in the presence of, God, of Jesus Christ and God the Father, I charge you, preach the word. Preach the word. Don't preach your own opinions. Don't preach your own thoughts. Don't preach psychology. Don't preach all that stuff. Preach God's word. That is our task that we are given. And so that's how we continue to feed the flock. And we do that with love and kindness. Shepherds nurturing people along. But we bring you to the word of God. Well, we want to look at the last half of this lesson today and really the response of the sheep. So you have God's shepherd and you have God's sheep. So number one, the sheep and their response to the under-shepherds. The Christians are called to the church. I want you to think about this as we, as we work our way into the responsibility of the sheep. Christians have been called into the church. So we talk about a calling of a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, an overseer, a leader... But Christians have been called. I want you to think through this. There's not a person in this room who belongs to the church of Jesus Christ, whether you're a member here or somewhere else, you were called to the church. You didn't stumble your way in. You didn't think, well, maybe that's a good idea for my family. Whatever, however God brought you to the church, he called you to do it. See, the church is made up of what is called Christians, followers of Christ. See, that's what you are. 
Ephesians 4, 4 says, There is one body, one spirit. Now listen to this. Just also, you, just also as you were called into one hope of your calling. Every Christian is called. And we, and we know that because you wouldn't come if it wasn't God in your life doing it. What would, why would you surrender your life to a, a life dedicated to Jesus Christ if God did not do some miraculous thing in your heart to bring you there? The Bible's clear, left to ourselves, we desire anything but God. We desire the world. We desire all that it has to offer. And yet God, he blasts his way into your heart. He opens your heart. He, he, he blasts the light of the Lord Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And you go, I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. He calls you into the church. I want you all to understand that because we talk about the calling of a pastor elder, and that's important, and particularly where we're moving as a church. But, but it's just as important to understand that the church is called. You're a called individual to Jesus Christ. He plucked you and brought you out of the world and made you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus you carry the title Christian, the church, the assembly. Now, another thought just along this line, the gospel creates a people. Now think about that. The gospel creates a people. Peter says it this way. He says, you are a chosen race. You're a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a holy ethnos, a people for God's own possession. There's that calling, right? So you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now listen to verse 10, 1 Peter 2.10. For you were not a people at once, right? There's a point where you were not a people. But then he says, but now you are the people of God. Do you see that? You once were the people. I once was not a family in the family of God, right? We're not born in the family of God. In fact, we're born sinners. We're born away from the love of God. And yet God brings us in. So the verse says, you were not a people at one time, but now he has made you the people of God. Then he says this point. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's the church. If you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and God has opened your heart and mind to the knowledge that you needed Jesus Christ to die in your place, you have received mercy from God. Isn't that amazing? The Almighty God, the creator of all things, the eternal God that's always existed, shed mercy on us individually. And then calls us into a group of people and says, now you're my bride, you're my building, you're my, you're my church, you're my assembly, you're my people. And so the gospel, this act of mercy of God, makes us a people. And look at us. I mean, we're from all over, all kinds of different walks of life, aren't we? We're, we're rich, we're poor, we're, we're, we're different ethnos in here. We, we have different status in, in society. Uh, we're young, we're old, we're, we're middle-aged. I mean, look at us. It's kind of scary sometimes. You know what you're doing, Lord? <laughs> yes, he knows what he's doing. He said, I'm going to put mercy on you and you and you and you, and he's going to put mercy on you. He's going to open your, your mind and your heart to a need of a Savior. And he says, you no longer belong to the world. I have taken you from the world, and I've made you my own. And then there's some that say, well, I don't need the church. So God gave you mercy, but didn't make you a people? That's not true. 
See, he, the gospel creates a people. In the gospel, this mercy that God has had on us reveals the glory of Christ and it creates this people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not perfect, but we're perfectly saved. And we desire the things of God like we did not desire before because the gospel created people. It's also because God wants to grant everyone a job. God has a job for everyone. He doesn't bring you into the family and say, well, just sit back and be on welfare the rest of your life. He's got a job, right? He has a job for everyone to do. The Bible's clear. There's, there's no one that he does not gift. The Spirit calls and the Spirit gives gifts to all of the church. So we all serve one another. I think that's where church breaks down after a while. Um, I've been to many community events and said, hey, you got a lot of help around here. They'll go, no. 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work. <laughs> you ever heard that? Well, sometimes that happens in the church. Because we've been called into a group of people, and yet, yet we have not said, wait a minute, God, what have you, what have you scheduled? What have you laid out in your divine providence for me to do? How, how do I become part of this family, and how do I serve? And so God's granted us each a job. That's what the Bible teaches. We are not a virtual reality church. You're not just here by virtual reality. You know, there's some dangers going on out there. When, when Paul said, I mentioned this in the first hour, that in the first place when you come together, Paul expected the church to come together. And yes, we have a live feed. It's going now. There's probably many people watching this. And, and I hope it's people that can't get here. They designed that in case you couldn't get here. But God wants you together. But what's the church doing now? Well, we have drive through churches now. You can show up with your dog in your pajamas. There's no interaction with others. There's no part of the body of Christ. That's not what God desired. When you gather together, when you come together, when you affect one another, this is what the Bible speaks on. It's not an online church. There's new. I don't know if you know this. There's all kinds of online churches now. You don't have to go to a building. You don't have to fellowship with anybody. You can be part of an online church. And yet that's not what the Bible teaches. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. This is a very common passage, but we want to look at this this morning because we want to understand what our calling is and how do the sheep align themselves with Christ and, and his under-shepherds. Hebrews chapter 10. As you're turning there, it seems to me, and this is what we ought to be careful of here as Riverbend, everybody's trying to make church more convenient. Is that out of line? We, we don't want to give anymore. We, we, we don't want to give up a few more hours. We, it's, we're so busy. We have so much going on. We, we're so tired because we're so busy. And then, oh, you want me to come to church twice a week now? So, so ministries around the globe, particularly in America, because everything starts here, then we ruin the other countries, um, are trying to figure out how to make church convenient for people. And unfortunately, when you follow it long enough, you get to the money. And that's usually what it's about. We are a family. And there's not a mom and dad in here that loves their children, doesn't desire them to be at the table at Thanksgiving or Christmas or family events or gather together because we know what that's like to look as parents who have raised children, look down the table and see those loved ones that we put our, we, we put our lives into. 
That's what church is about. It's coming together and Christ looking at us and saying, you want to know I put my life into? I put my blood into those people. I bought them with my own blood. Don't forsake the assembling. Look at this great text, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What is that? That Christ died for us. That we were lost in our sins. That he alone could save us through his perfect work, his finished work on the cross. And he's called us to be gathered together. So don't let go of that confession. Don't let the world rob that of you. Do it without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Aren't we supposed to be like our master? What if the Lord wasn't faithful to his church? Some of you get slipped through the crack and lose your salvation. (laughs) He's so faithful. He says, all that the Father gives me, I will lose what? None of them. That's the faithfulness of our Lord. And so the church, the sheep, the lambs, we gather together. Because we have a great chief shepherd we want to hear from. So we hold fast this confession because he's faithful. Let us be faithful in his example. And let us consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds. I told you this before. I need you here. Not because I worked on a sermon that I got to just somehow get out to you. But I need you. You stimulate me. You have your Bibles open on your laps. You're taking in the Word of God. And more importantly, many of you are going out there and living what you heard on Sunday school on Monday school. You want to talk about stimulating your pastors? Oh my goodness. People who actually hear the Word and obey it. See, we stimulate one another. You stimulate me. I trust by preaching and teaching and shepherding your life, our pastors, our teachers here, stimulate you. See, he says, look, why, why would you let this go? Consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds. How can I affect the body of Christ? Notice, not forsaking our assembly together. Look at this little sad phrase. As is the habit of some. Ooh, this isn't new to the 21st century. The first century church wasn't showing up to church either. (laughs) Does that make it okay? Absolutely not. The Bible is very clear here. How could you do this? Our, our Savior blood bought us. We're a family. But look at this. But encourage one another more. K- keep encouraging one another. You can't, you know, if we're not, if you don't ever see each other, it's hard to encourage you. Well, I sent a note to him. I texted him. Well, that's okay, but this is encouraging. A church full, a building full of people who are, who are God's family and really his army and we're going to be encouraged and challenged by the word of God. And those doors are going to open and we're going to go out with a message that the world needs. Encourage one another. When you don't see somebody for a while, call them. Pray for them. See how they're doing. Don't reprimand them. Just love on them and say, hey, come back. We, we want to be with you and we want to encourage one another. And notice this last little phrase in this verse, verse 25. And all the more as you see the day dawning near. Well, what day is that? (laughs) Tomorrow? (laughs) No, the day. (laughs) There is a day that the Lord is going to return. And he is going to gather his flock to himself. And that's going to be a phenomenal day. And we all long for that day. And we long that we're going to get there. And he's going to come soon, right? We long for that. 
But we can see things, can't we? Can we see, not see the way the world is moving? The direction? Just a nation that was founded on very Judeo-Christian principles and, and now is really slipping quickly from that? We can see that? And where America goes, the rest of the world seems to go. And we can see that happening. So he says, oh, brothers and sisters, don't forsake your assembling. Don't forsake your encouraging. Don't forsake your faithfulness. Because there's a day coming. And as a church, we cannot not gather. <laughs> we cannot not gather. It's part of us now. This is, this is who we are. And there's a specialness as we gather. At least right now, and within, I mean, just think, there's, a, there's good churches down the road from us. There's Christians gathering at this hour on East Coast time. And, and then the, uh, the upper Midwest and the West will, uh, the, the middle part of the nation will meet. And then, and then the West Coast will meet dear friends of ours and family. Will there be a church out there? We're meeting together. There's a specialness of that. Moms and dads, teach your children the importance of this. You have to start thinking on Saturday night with them. Hey, tomorrow we get to go worship. Because you can't get them up on Sunday. There's something about that. Even parents struggle to get up on Sunday. We get up all, all week long, early wee hours in the morning, and then on Sunday you're like, I can't get up. Be excited about the church. Be excited about blood-bought people that you get to fellowship with. Oh, we got our problems. <laughs> we always will. But Jesus loves us. Let the gospel motivate your good deeds. All right, a couple thoughts here for the sheep. The sheep now, the sheep, excuse me, the sheep know and appreciate their shepherd elders. Notice back in verse 12, when we go back to our text, it says, Brethren, you are to appreciate those who diligently labor among you. Now, it's an interesting word to appreciate here. Um, I think we first come to this word and we we think, well, yeah, thanks. We'll give them a round of applause and pastor appreciation month or whatever. But it's, it's a neat word. It's, it's a word to know, but it's not gnoskis. It's ude. It's, it's, it's a different word. It's actually to know somebody experientially. It really means to have a relationship with them. Know them. Uh, know who's leading you. Care for them. There's, it has the idea of deep value and res, uh, a graceful respect. Not a worship in any way, uh, although that happens, right? And then churches go astray because they worship some leader and he leads them off somewhere else. But there is a respect there, a gracious respect. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the results of their conduct and imitate their faith. Know who they are. Know that they're men that care for your soul, spend time in the Word. They're not perfect men, but know them. That's how you appreciate somebody as you know them. I've had people say, well, I really don't like that guy. I go, well, do you know him? Well, I've never really had a conversation with him, so you don't, you don't really can't appreciate, you can't say you can't appreciate him because you don't know him. Do you see the idea of the Word? The more you get to know somebody, the more you appreciate them. There's a relationship there between sheep and shepherd that he is pushing here. And then he says in Hebrews there, it said that the result of their conduct imitate their faith. Well, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, somebody said at one time. But true shepherds want you to follow them as they follow the cheap shepherd. That's what we want to do. So know your shepherds. Know where they're going. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 said you also, Paul said this, you also became imitators of us 
and of the Lord, having received the word. Be imitators of me, just also as I was imitators of Christ, Paul said to the Corinth church. Follow us. Now, notice that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. Know, know your shepherd by knowing the Savior, how hard he works. It's amazing what Jesus did. Remember, we just went through Mark 4. We went Mark 3.20 through the end of 4. It was one day in his life. One day in his life. We spent weeks just working our way through that one day in his life. How hard our Lord Jesus worked. In fact, remember it said in the text that he was so surrounded by people he could not even eat. Now, I don't tell our pastors to work that hard. But we say, listen guys, we... We are here called by God to work hard, to pour our lives into the flock and pour our lives into the ministry here. And so when we know the chief shepherd, your shepherds follow him. And when you know them, you'll, you'll love the Lord. One of my great spiritual heroes is William Carey. He's called the father of modern uh, missions. He said when he was getting ready to die, he said, when I am gone, do not speak about me, but only speak about the one I love and serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's such a great motive. You know, I, I mean, and, and, and you hear people who really love the Lord, they say, listen, at my memorial service, don't talk about me, talk about Christ. I mean, they really sincerely believe that. And Kerry did so much for what we have now in India because of that, but he wanted you to know Christ. He wanted you to know Jesus Christ. I, I think sometimes when there's a lot of talk of pastors where their name gets spoken of so much, many of us don't like that. I mean, it just bothers me. Many times I say, Gina, I think I've heard my name more than I've heard Christ's name, especially when you first come and, or if there's difficulties going on. Speak about Christ. He's the one the shepherds want you to appreciate. And I think if you appreciate men who love the Word, you'll love the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. However, pastors and elders can sometimes be easy targets, Right? And they sometimes are not appreciated. We should talk about this for a moment. What happens when, when its leadership is not appreciated? Well, the church stalls out. The church fails to keep moving because what happens is if you strike the shepherds, the flock will disperse, right? Jesus used that of himself as they took him into arrest. He, he quotes those passages. He strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And so often we see through churches, and thank the Lord, we haven't seen that here, but through many other churches, the shepherds are often struck. Uh, Satan's behind this because it'll scatter the sheep. Because they'll look for somewhere to find protection that's not there. And just think about this. God's plan was to put fallible, called, qualified, faithful men to lead his church. Fallible. We're, we're fallible, right? There's only one who's infallible. We're fallible, called, qualified men to lead the church. That's who he calls you to submit to, to lead, to be led by. So the God's word is exhorting you to appreciate these men. Now, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want to show you one passage here because it is important that we understand what guys accept. There's, there's, in this passage, verse 17, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, we see how to honor them, but we also see what they're, uh, what they're under as well. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, the elders who rule well are to be considered dub of double, uh, worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while 
he is threshing, and, no, and the laborer is worth his wages. Meaning, pay your pastors. Give them freedom to do what they need to be doing. Verse 19, and do not receive accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. So one of the things, if you hear something, you know, challenge people. Go, go and look, we're not, this isn't going on in this church. If you're visiting today, we, 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 have, we have a great relationship between shepherd and sheep here. But, but that's where Satan's always trying to cause division, right? So the Bible instructs you, if you, if you hear accusation, well, well, do, you, do you have anybody else that believes that? Or is this a personal opinion of ours? And then go to those people. And now look at the, the weightiness of being a pastor or a shepherd of a church. Those who continue in sin, that's talking about the leadership, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. It's interesting in this process here, we, we know that Matthew 18 has a process of church discipline, but when we get to this text, it seems as though Paul skips all that and you put those men front and center and expose their sin very quickly. So leading a church, being called into ministry, comes with a heavy price. We are to be short accounts, and we are sinners, and we need a, a called, a qualified man who leads the church and must have short accounts. And, and this is another reason why you have to appreciate the sheep, that they can't take spiritual time off. The, the sheep need to appreciate the shepherds because they can't take spiritual time off. You can't say, well, I'm just going to roll around in my sin for a few weeks. I'm not going to resolve things in my marriage. I'm not going to uh, go after this person I'm having a difficulty with. I'm just going to let it just, just, you know, seethe over there. You know, we can't do that. We have to keep short accounts. We have to deal with sin. We have to deal with it quickly. Because we're handling the word of God and we're handling God's flock. This is, see, this is the reason why he says, appreciate those who lead you, who have charge over you. Appreciate those who work diligently. There's a tight, tight line here. Verse 21, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He says this again in, chapter, um, in the second book, right? Second letter. And of the chosen angels, the elect angels, to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. So when an elder falls or goes through something, you got, well, you know, he's, he's been good most of the time. There's no, there's no partiality here. It's a strict judgment. And this is why you appreciate men who, who accept that call in their life because it isn't a call of, well, I finally made it. I don't have to work in the world anymore. This is what comes with it. And then, in fact, he goes a little farther. And this is why we put our men, these men that are going through it through a process, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and therefore share in the responsibility of the sin of others. Keep yourself free of sin. Wow. So if we move too quick and say, oh man, this guy's a great guy, we should make him a leader because more people will come to our church or they'll give more money. You have wrong motives for making somebody a leader. The Bible says you're participating in their sin. So we work very hard and you've seen our step process that we take our men through. And, and many of our guys right now are in that process. They're writing and writing and studying and we're meeting with them. We're working through to make sure that they know and we know that God has called them to this ministry because there is this stricter judgment. B, the sheep have a growing respect for the shepherd elder. The sheep have a growing respect for the shepherd elder. Um, I remember years ago, I might have told you this story before, Jerry, who you'll meet at Missions Month, who's coming to preach at missions. He was my mentor. 
I remember just being young and foolish and probably full of pride. And, and he was lovingly rebuking me for something. And uh, I remember kind of having that out-of-body experience. He's kind of getting on me about something. And I'm looking at him and going, this man loves me. I know he loves me. I can't see what in my own life what he's talking about. I have a blind, I'm a spiritual blinders to, to whatever he's talking about. But I know he loves me, and so I'm going to submit to him. I remember, I know right where I was standing. I know the exact place and time where it was, because I'll never forget that. Because I remember in my heart of hearts saying, Scott, don't rebel against this. This man loves you. He's proven his love to you. Submit to him. He knows what he's doing. And I don't quite remember all of the details, but I remember saying, Jerry, you're right. Will you help me be a more godly man in this area? And, and that's, that, that's what the Bible's telling you to do here. Esteem, verse 13, esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Submit to your elders, submit to your pastors, your overseers. It, the, the word esteem here literally means have high regard beyond measure. Have high regard above measure for them. The unbiblical, I want you to understand this, unbiblical pastor elders, God will find them out. A lot of people say, well, man, what if some guy goes astray? Well, I promise you, you would never let somebody take your family where you did not want them to go. And God does the same. And we see it all the time where pastors are exposed on TV and internets and all kinds of things because their hearts are wicked and God only lets them go so far and pretty soon he exposes them to all. And you can trust us that God is walking on our lives and he will expose if our sin is, is, is unconfessed un and unrepented of. But love your pastors, love your elders, even though they're not perfect. And yes, there's, there's a great spiritual benefit when you love your pastors. Look at Romans chapter 12 uh, with me. I just want to show you this text. Bobby pointed this out earlier because this is where we're trying to lead to. This type of church. Look at verse 9 with me. And think of this between shepherd and sheep, but just between sheep and sheep, right? Just, just all of us as a body of Christ. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Are you devoted to one another? See, devoted people stick with each other. We're devoted to each other. Christ put us somewhere. We believe God called us to a church. You're devoted to one another. This is, this is what shepherds do. They, keep, they bring them in and they keep them protected and they get them involved with each other. That, that's what we do. Right? Verse 10, be, be devoted to each other. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Yeah, that's what we do. We, boy, sometimes the church can be very difficult in this area. They'll go, well, just stick our heels in. I, I'm not doing that. I don't, you know. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Get up. Give that person that seat. <laughs> you see Gene and I flipping seats around here. We're trying to show you an example. I don't sit in the same spot everywhere. That isn't your seat. You didn't purchase this. This is some old school church <laughs> where you buy a pew and put your door, lock your door on it. You've seen those churches. <laughs> Move around. Get to know other people. Give preference to people. Hey, you want to sit here? Take my seat. I'll go sit up in the front row. Verse 11. Not lagging behind in diligence. 
See, this is, this is what shepherds do. We lead and let's go. Come on. You heard Bobby in the first hour. Let's go. Man, we got 3,000 people coming to our campus on Wednesday. Let's not, let's not be lazy here. Let's be diligent. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We do that together, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. When somebody else hurts, you hurt with them because you're a family. That's what marriage is about. She cuts, you bleed. That's what church is about. If you're in need, we're in need. That's what we do together. There's a perseverance together here, not lagging behind. We're fervent about it. We rejoice in hope. Even during tough times, we rejoice in hope. We persevere in tribulations. We're devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. This is the verse Bobby had us in. This is, the, 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 this is theology working out. We're practicing hospitality. Open your home to somebody. Open your life to somebody. Bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and so forth. What a great text. Now back to our text, the Bible says that we are to esteem them highly, esteem our leaders highly in love. We're to do this in love. Well, you know, because you could go to an elder-led church like ours and say, well, that's our leaders, we have to love them. <laughs> Please don't do that. I hope, I hope that God has put in your heart to love your leadership. But do it in love. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Great love chapter. Everybody reads it at weddings. I think it's good for weddings. But it's actually written to the church. Think about this. In our relationship between shepherd, sheep, between one, sheep and sheep, between this, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. What if we just did those three to one another? What if we're just kind to one another? A church is kind. Do you think people would want to come into this building and be a part of us if we were just kind? They go, those people are the kindest people to each other. I think I'm going to go there and see what they have to say. Love is patient, kind, is not jealous, love does not brag. Please don't brag on our church, only brag and boast on Christ. If you're going to boast, boast in him, the Bible says. Boast about that. Love's not arrogant. Love doesn't act unbecomingly. This happens too often in churches where Christians lose their testimony. That's not what God has saved us for. It does, it does not seek its own. It does not provoke. It does not take into account wrong suffered. Boy, that is one of the biggest problems within the church. We can't forget what somebody did to us 20 years ago. There's a model of Christ. <laughs> Father, forgive them, but I'm going to remember. Lord, help us have short accounts forgiving one another. Do not rejoice in unrighteousness. That means we have to do church discipline every once in a while. We have to take care of sin within our own body. Sinning members need to be lovingly disciplined to bring them to, to repentance, to bring restoration back to the body. But rejoice with the truth. When we hear truth, we should rejoice about it. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. That letter is written to the church. You can apply it to your marriage, but it's written to the church. That's what God wants for us. So... God has called pastors and elders and set them apart for the important work of leading his church to these truths. Therefore, the members 
under their care are to lovingly acknowledge their ministry of labor, greatly respect their leadership, overlook their non-sinful weaknesses. Did you catch that? Non-sinful weaknesses, because we all have those too. Speak well of them and give your best to them. It was a quote by Dr. MacArthur. That's what he asks us to do. Third thought, and we'll close with this and move to communion just quickly here. The gospelized flock will live in harmony with each other and its shepherds. Notice right at the end of the little phrase there at verse 13, live in peace with one another. Isn't that a beautiful word? Live in peace. We looked at a lot of churches praying for God's will. And we didn't see River Bend as a perfect church. But we saw a great potential of peace. That we could come and if God will be, live out our last years of ministry in a harmony of peace for the gospel. That's what we were asking the Lord for. Give us a place where we can live out the harmony of the gospel in peace and you would use this place. And we believe God has sent us here and we believe that's what he has for us. And we believe that gospelized people can do this. And I know gospelized is redlined if you type it out in your Word document, but it's my word. Gospelized people are incredibly impressed upon them with the glory and person of Jesus Christ that he would change us, that he would take us from the world and make us his. <laughs> We've been gospelized. And, and, and our goal now is peace. Because you've been justified by faith, you have peace with God, you should have peace with one another. And listen, brothers and sisters, there's nothing between us that cannot be worked out. If we believe that this is God's word and we submit to it. And so whether it's marriage or whether it's inner church relationships or business or whatever it is, as gospelized people, we seek peace because we're at peace with God. If you're not, if you're not a Christian, you know what you're still in? War. And that's a losing fight. <laughs> but we're at peace with God. Now, let me close with one verse. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Because I think this is a beautiful verse of peace that we see in a, in a biblical body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Now, notice the balance in this verse. This is why we believe in uh, an elder-led church. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. What a verse. Look at the weight that's put on here. First, it challenges the sheep. Obey your letter, leaders and submit to them. The word submit is hupatasso. It's a great word. It means line your affairs up underneath them. Right? The Bible tells a wife to submit to her husband, meaning line your affairs up under him. Don't, don't live separate lives. You're one now. Right? Here's the same idea. Leadership, shepherd and sheep, you're one now. Sheep, line yourself under this leading of these called and, and qualified men that lead you. Now, no, notice the next one returns back to, I think, our, us. For they keep watch over your soul as those who give, will give an account. Wow, what a verse. 
I think I said this last week, I firmly believe, and as well as the rest of our pastor elders here, believe we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day, and probably publicly, and give an account of what we did with you. That doesn't scare you from eldership. I don't know what will. That's what we ask our men who are wrestling with this. Have they considered this? That you will stand before God someday and say, here's what you do. Now, God is gracious, and we, we're not perfect as, we, as we've related, but we will stand and give an account. So here's this great balance, and I think this is what brings peace. Sheep, submit to the shepherds. Shepherds, they're mine. Don't abuse them. See that balance? See where there's peace? You do your job, we'll do ours. There's peace. Now you take away that. Take, take the shepherd start to abuse the sheep, no peace. Sheep won't respect or, or appreciate or submit to the leadership, no peace. And then he adds something there for the sheep one more time. He says, let them do this with joy. Oh, I have a lot of joy pastoring here. Because for the most part, this flock follows the sheep, the shepherds. They do. And he says, let them do this with joy. Now, I've seen the other side of this, and most of all of us have been in the ministry any time have seen the other side of this. Wow, that was not very fun. <laughs> I have stretches in my ministry that I go, I wish I could erase that from my brain. I've seen the worst of humanity inside the church. The worst. He says, let them do this with joy. And not with grief, for this would not be profitable to you. And I've warned, kindly warned people through the years to be careful. You may not always agree with us. You may, we may frustrate you at times as we don't maybe move at your pace or we fail you in some way. But be careful. Because <laughs> God says it's not profitable for you not to submit to those leadership. And I've seen that happen many times down through years of ministry where people just reject the leadership of the church. And good things don't always come from that. What a balance. Live in peace with one another. All right, I got a job to do. You got a job to do. Let's do it. Not for the sake of, you know, Riverbend. Let's do it for Christ. Let's do it for his glory. Amen? Father, listen to us, Lord, as we praise you. We cannot do this without you. We're in such desperate need of you, Lord. We need you. And we ask that you would help our church as we move to a, a biblical uh, governance, a biblical way of leading and, and caring for the flock, Lord, as we make another step a little farther, a little more each time, trying to strive to be a church that honors you from the Scriptures, Lord. We pray that you would help us do that. Help us all to serve in the way you've called us to serve, to lead and to follow and to minister in many different ways, Lord. Thank you for this body. Thank you that it's a joy to us pastors and elders here to shepherd a flock like this. Please bless them with this. Lord, may you continue to use us. May we uh, be in your hand. You, you build the flock. You, you said, Lord Jesus, that you build the church, not us. So we're going to be whatever numbers you want us to be. And we're content with that, Lord. But may we strive to be a gospel, Christ-exalting, word-loving church, Lord. And if it be your will, you will add to our numbers and you would use us both locally and globally. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.